Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to come to us today, Lord. Lord, that your spirit may fall down upon us. Lord, that it may open our hearts and our minds as we listen to your word, as you, you reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord, open our eyes to see you better, to understand you more, be drawn in love to you and empowered to serve you. Be with us now, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20, continuing our study. Journey of faith as we look at the life of Abraham. Getting close to the end. We don't have much, much further to go. Uh, we have been kind of away from Abraham for the last couple of Sundays as we saw the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's moral failures. But today we turn to the life of Abraham and his journey of faith. Hopefully, as you've watched Abraham's journey of faith, how he came to know the Lord and how he is, has grown and is continuing in our text to grow in the Lord, hopefully you have learned from this and seen some of your own walk in faith and can learn even more how to, how to grow in your faith as you look at this life. You found your place there in Genesis chapter 20. We are reading 1 through 18 this morning. If you found your place, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negeb and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he journeyed in Gerar. And Abraham said, to, said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord... Will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, and called all of his servants, and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? 
Now I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin. You have done to me you have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought there's no fear of God at all in this place, and, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And when, and when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, He is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah his wife to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell, dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you and before everyone who you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, as we think about the life of Abraham, uh, life uh, Abraham has, has gone through many things, but the last place that we saw Abraham, he was standing before the face of God. He was walking with the Lord. The Lord had come to him, told him, gave him that uh, birth announcement that Isaac would come a year from the Lord's visit, and he also allowed Abraham that opportunity to uh, intercede for the righteous of Sodom. And so we see Abraham then on this high, right? He's, he's on the, the mountain peaks. He is walking with the Lord. And as we think about that, we could get, uh, we could kind of build Abraham up and think, oh, here's the, the sign of godliness right here. This is the man. This is who we need to be. And we can kind of build him up and even idolize him in some ways. But then the scripture turns right back around and it kind of brings Abraham back down to our level, doesn't it? You see, because we have a tendency to look at other people and build other people up. Make more of them than they, we ought to sometimes. And so here's the lesson, the, 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 real, the central principle that we need to see in our text today. Trust not in the people and institutions of this world, but trust in God's grace alone to save you. Let me say that again. Trust not in the people and institutions of this world, but trust in God's grace alone to save you. We need to really grab a hold of that. Because as we've said, we've, we've watched the life of Abraham. 
Abraham was a pagan in a foreign land there in Ur of Chaldeans, of the Chaldeans. Just a pagan. He was nothing. And God came to him and called him out of that and, and brought him to this place of promise. And, and we have watched Abraham grow, haven't we? We've seen him go from a pagan worshiping foreign gods in a foreign land to a man who is truly seeking after God. He is there in the land of promise. He, like Lot, has, has been able to look. He, he was able to look at the, the, the beautiful grasslands of the plain there in the Jordan Valley. He saw the riches of Sodom and Gomorrah, even had had opportunities to participate in the wealth of those lands, yet he, he turned those down to follow the Lord who had called him to this place. We've seen him rise to that place where not only has he had dreams about God, God had come to him in dreams and, and spoken to him, but, but now God has come to him. God came to him in that, that, that vision to make that covenant with him where God came as the fiery pot walking between the pieces of those carcasses as God made that covenant of grace with Abraham. And even the last time that we saw Abraham, Abraham was walking face to face with the Lord our God, whom I believe was Jesus uh, pre-incarnate. He got to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus even then and there in that time. I mean, this is a great man of God. And we should look to Abraham and we should see a great godliness in him. Surely God caused him to be a great man of faith. But we also need to be careful. Because as we have looked at the life of Abraham, as we've seen those, those peak tops uh, those mountain peaks uh, in his life. Those moments where, where he got to walk with God and talk with God and he was on those mountain peaks. We need to see him not just on the mountain peaks though, we need to see him down in the valleys. Lest we be discouraged in our own walk. See, Abraham was just a man. There's no salvation in Abraham himself. He was a man. Yes, he had great moments with God, great moments of faith. But just like us, he also had his failures. And that's exactly what we see here in this place today. Abraham has just been on the mountain peak. He has been walking with God and talking with God in person. That's a mountain peak if I've ever seen one. And lo and behold, the next step that he makes, he, he goes down and he dwells in this, this land. And as he goes into this kind of a new land for him, he looks at the people around him, and just like when he was wandering into Egypt and going to Egypt to escape the famine, you remember a few, several Sundays ago, now he's looking at this new bunch of people and instead of trusting in God he fears the people of the land and he says surely if I go into this place and I go and I live amongst this godless people 
they will see my wife. Now, Sarah must have been a gorgeous woman. Here she is. She's 100 years old. And kings are still taking her up and, and making her their wife, right? I mean, she is a beautiful, beautiful woman. And Abraham, he goes into this foreign land and he says, you know, you need to do me this favor. You just tell everybody that I'm your brother and you're my sister. And just as we, we talked about back when he went into Egypt, this was a, a real concern. This was a, a good concern for him. This was a thing that happened. In that day and time, when you went into this foreign, plant, foreign land, if a king saw your wife and the king desired to have your wife, then all the king had to do was to get rid of you. And that happened a lot. And so Abraham has reason for concern here. This was something that commonly happened in this day and time. But you see, Abraham failed to trust in God. Because God had just walked with him and God had just told him again. He had told him several times over and over and over again as God made his covenant with Abraham. But as we looked at him last time, a couple, uh, three Sundays ago, we, we saw God coming to Abraham and saying, next year I'm going to come back, I'm going to see you again a year from now, and Sarah is going to have your child, your seed. He, she is going to have Isaac. God has made this promise. This is a sure thing. Yet, as Abraham goes into this foreign land, instead of trusting that God would keep him safe, trusting that God would keep his wife, Sarah, safe, and that God would fulfill the promise of the birth of Isaac, instead of trusting in God, Abraham instead fears men. And he resorts to telling a lie to save his own skin. Now, of course, we learn that it was only a half lie, right? It was somewhat true. Sarah was, you know, after all, I guess we, we do that, don't we? We justify our actions. We justify our little lies. It's just a little white lie. It's kind of true. Abraham, uh, Sarah was Abraham's half-sister, But she was also his wife. And he failed to tell the people of the land that this is indeed my wife. And so, inevitably, here comes Abimelech. And Abimelech, he looks at Sarah and says, man, I got to have her. So he goes out and he just takes Sarah. After all, she's not married, right? That's her brother. And Abraham he lacks his lack of faith. He, notice what he does. He compromises Sarah's purity. Because of his lack of faith, he compromises his wife's purity. He puts her purity in danger. Now she is in the house of a, another man. He compromises his wife's purity, and he compromises the promise of God. I mean, now if, if Abimelech has relations with Sarah, then the whole promise of God to bring about Isaac through Abraham has now been compromised. All because of Abraham's lack of faith. So we need to be careful 
vitalizing people. Because though Abraham, he may have been a, a great man of faith, but we know the true old saying, how the old saying goes, the best of men are men at best. Abraham, in his best, at his best, was a sinner. Who, though God had said, through you, Abraham, I will bless the nations, instead of being a blessing to the people, he was a curse because of his own moral failures. He brought a curse upon the land instead of a blessing. No, Abraham is not the blessing of God. The blessing of God will come through the seed of Abraham. So we see here in the text, as we, we study this lesson, as we study the narrative, trust not in people and institutions of this world. Trust not in, in the people and institutions of this world. Don't put all of your trust in people, in the, the men and women of this world. Don't trust in, don't put your trust in Abraham. That's, the, that's the, really the, the main focus of the text. Don't trust Abraham. Abraham's not the blessing. He's a sinner just like we are. We don't put our trust in, and our faith in Abraham. Dear friend, don't trust people. I'm not saying don't trust them in a general sense. Hopefully we are able to trust one another in a general sense. But don't put all your faith and your trust and, and all your hope bound up in, in the people of this world because the people of this world will let you down. Just like Abraham, he lets us down, right? People will let us down. I had a pastor in my mid-twenties, a very important time in my life. It was a time when God was beginning to work with me and, and I was, you know, he was starting to, to turn me and, and kind of head me towards ministry. That's, that's when I, if I look back and think back, it was my mid-twenties when God really began to work with me and, and turn, make that turn in my life and start working me towards getting into the ministry. And I had a pastor friend who was, was instrumental in that. He was the first one who really began to work with me and encourage me and kind of push me to kind of quit playing around with Christianity and really be a committed follower of Christ, to, to really invest in that relationship. He was the first one to kind of really push me towards reading Scripture uh, on a regular basis and, and to, to really push me to get out there and serve the Lord. And so God used him in a great way he was instrumental in, in making that change in my life, just that little turn that set me on a path towards ministry. Yet lo and behold, this pastor who was so instrumental in my life, at some point in our relationship, I noticed something change in him. Something happened. I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't quite figure out what it was, but something happened. Come to find out he had a great moral failure. Great moral failure. A failure that cost him his job and his ministry at the church, and not only that, but he was excommunicated from the church because of it. Now you see, if I had to put 
my faith in him. If he had been the source of my hope, then think about what that would have done to my walk. But praise be to God, God had surrounded me with other people. And God had built me into a a place where my faith was on Christ and not on this man. And I'll still tell you, he was was instrumental in, in that time in my life, but he failed. Dear friend, people will fail you. People are sinners. They will hurt you and they will fail you. And if you put all your hope and all of your trust in people, then you need to see that your your hope, your faith, your trust, it's going to crumble. Don't put your faith in the peoples of this world and don't put your faith in the institutions of this world because the same can be said about the church. Now, don't get me wrong here. I firmly believe that you cannot be a fully functional follower of Jesus Christ without being a part of the church. The church is is fundamental to our, our growth in Christ. But you see, a a lot of people, they put their faith and their hope and their trust in the church, in the institution, such that they say, well, my name is on the roll, therefore I must be on the roll in heaven, right? I'm a member of First Baptist Church, so I'm good. I've been baptized. I've been through all of those things. You put all of your hope and all your trust in the church. And the church is made up of what? People, right? Full of sinners. We're all sinners. That's why when the law say, well, I'm not going to church, we're just a, they're just a bunch of hypocrites, come on and join us then because you fit right in, right? Because yes, we're hypocrites because we're all sinners. We're sinners. We know what's right. We know what to do. But we fail time and time again to always do the right things. So yes, we, we, we come to church and the church helps us to grow, but dear friend, don't put all your hope and your trust in the church because the church itself will not save you. Just because your, mem- your name is on a roll somewhere doesn't mean that you are in Christ. Just because you partake of the Lord's Supper when it comes around doesn't mean that you're in Christ. Don't put your hope and your trust in the things of this world. Put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, period. He'll never fail you. Never. So the main lesson that we see in our text today is do not trust in the people and institutions of this world because the people and the institutions of this world, they will let you down. Instead, trust in God's grace and God's grace alone. Trust in God's grace and God's grace alone. We see God's grace coming out of the text in two different ways. First of all, we see God's providential grace. And so we we learn here to trust in God's providential grace, his providential grace. Now, I I know that's a big term, providential grace. We studied about it a couple weeks uh, back in, in our evening study, Bible study, but But let's just look at the providential grace of God, and and hopefully you'll understand what I mean by providential grace as we look at it in our text. 
We see God's providential care of Abimelech as he, he comes to Abimelech and he warns Abimelech and, and he even tells Abimelech that, that he, he is the one who restrains him, right? Look there in our text. Starting there in that's verse 4. Now Abimelech had not approached Sarah, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did, did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in that dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And watch this. It was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not, I did not let you touch her. Right? It was God's providential grace that, that kept Abimelech from sinning against God. Because if Abimelech had been with Sarah, if he had gone into her, that regardless of if Abimelech had known it or not, he would have been going into another man's wife, and that would have been a sin against God. But God saved Abimelech through his providential grace. It doesn't tell us what God did. It doesn't tell us did, did Abimelech have a, a sickness that came down, he came down with that night or, or what. Who knows what it was? But God caused something to come about in Abimelech's life so that instead of going and having his honeymoon with Sarah that night, he went to his own bedroom alone. God said, that wasn't chance. That wasn't just an accident. Abimelech, that was me. That was me. Through my care, through my grace, I protected you. Oh, thank God for his providential grace, for the way he works and he molds and he shapes things in our lives to save us from ourselves. What do we mean by the providence of God? Let me just read the definition. This comes from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Uh, providence means, uh, or providence is, it means that God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he, number one, keeps them existing and maintaining the properties with which he created them. So he holds us together. He keeps all of our... The, atoms and the molecules of our body he keeps them upright and together two he cooperates with created things in every action directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do so dogs act like dogs because god is at work in dogs right we act like human beings because god is in, at work in us to cause us to act like human beings and then number three, he directs them to fulfill his purposes. God directs creation to fulfill his purposes. Dear friends, God is at work in the world. You see, we don't have a God who is uninvolved in, in the things of this world. Deist, the, the kind of the religion of many of our founding fathers... Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, they were deists. 
Deists believe that God, he created things. He created it kind of like a watchmaker. He created it. He put it all together. He wound it up, and he set it off and just let it go. Step back, and he's not involved at all. He's just letting creation go and work its way out. That's the deist idea of God. But we are not deists. We are theists. We see a God who, is, who didn't just create and wind up and let it go, but he created things. Yes, he is above all things, but he is also here involved in all things. He is intimately involved in the, the ways of this world, working all things together to a common end, all towards his purposes. That's why we got the book of Revelation telling us how it's going to end because God has so designed all of history to end a certain way. God is involved. He is providentially involved in every aspect of our lives. He is not a God who just doesn't care, but he cares so much that he is at work around us and in us and through us. He is Lord over all of creation. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father? He is Lord over the sparrows. He feeds the sparrows. And He has determined the time that each sparrow will fall to the ground and die. He is also Lord of the lot. Proverbs 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap. That's kind of like dice, if you don't know. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So you take, a, 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 take some, some dice and roll it on the floor. The Lord is Lord of the lot. He's Lord of the dice. He, he determines what's going to come up. He is so providentially involved that, that he determines all those things. He is at work in our lives. Oh, when I think about my life and the mess I could have made of it and all the things that God has saved me from, from myself, not from other things, but I can think of all the intentions of my heart and praise God that many of those intentions he kept me from doing kept me from fulfilling to save me from myself God is a providential God who is here working in us and through us and for us dear friend you're not here today by mistake Every single person is here because God drew you here. He brought you here to this, this place today. He wants you to hear something today. He wants you to get something from today's message. I don't know what it is, but God knows what it is. You didn't just happen in. You didn't just wander in by mistake. You're here because God brought you here because he had a message to teach you today. Trust in God's providential grace. So, 
We see God's providential grace, but there's also a second kind of grace that we really need to trust in. We need to trust in God's saving grace. We need to trust in God's saving grace. What does God point Abimelech to? He says, Abimelech, what you need to do, you need to, first of all, you need to return Sarah to Abraham because that's his wife. Second, let Abraham pray for you because Abraham's my prophet. You see, God is pointing Abimelech, even this Abimelech. He is pointing him to the covenantal promises of God. Abimelech, if you want to know salvation, go through this man, Abraham, who is the mediator, the, the man whom I've appointed to come and to be the prophet, the spokesperson for my saving grace. This man through whom I'm going to bless the nations because I'm going to bring about his offspring after him. The offspring. See, God is pointing Abimelech to not Abraham. Abraham is just the intercessor. He is the one who's going to pray. He's the mediator whom God has appointed for this task. But, but he's pointing him through the salvation that Abraham alone knows about. Salvation that comes through God's covenant of grace. Let my prophet pray for you. Let my prophet speak to you. Let my prophet tell you about my salvation. Much like the church today, we are called to be a prophet of God, of His saving grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. Abraham didn't know the full measure of God's plan of salvation. No, Abraham knew that God had promised a seed through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He didn't know that that seed would come to fulfillment uh, I think about 2,000, 1,000, 2,000 years later when Jesus Christ, an offspring of Abraham, would come. Jesus Christ would pay the, the penalty just like those, those carcasses that God walked through that were torn asunder. It was Jesus who came and He took our place on Calvary's cross and His body and His blood was was. His body was torn asunder. His blood was poured out so that we might have salvation in Him. Oh, praise God for His saving grace that brought the seed of Abraham to bear our sins, to bear our sorrow, to bear our shame so that we might be forgiven and receive salvation from our sins in Him. Oh, just as we observe the Lord's Supper today, we are celebrating God's saving grace in the seed, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, dear friend, today do you trust in Jesus?
Do you trust in the seed, that salvation that comes in the seed of promise in Jesus Christ? There's no salvation in Abraham. There's no salvation in the church in itself. There's only salvation in God's saving grace through faith in Jesus. Dear friend, you're seeking salvation today. It's by God's grace alone that you can be saved. By His grace. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing that you can accomplish. Oh, you may, you may have your high points just like Abraham had his high points in his walk with God. But every high point that you see is going to be followed by a low. By God's grace alone that you find salvation. And you find that salvation by grace, through faith in Jesus. Trust not in the people and the institutions of this world, but trust in God's grace alone to save you. Do you trust in God's grace today? Do you trust in Jesus? Not today. Look to Jesus. Look to God's grace in Christ. Receive the salvation that He has to offer you. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at the life of Abraham, surely we see Reflections of our own life. Yes, every Christian has moments in their lives which are mountain peak moments, great moments where we feel close to you, we feel your presence. But Lord, there are also those moments where we hit our low. Often it, we hit our low right after the peak moment. We think we have it all figured out is to find out we don't. But Lord God, we are thankful today. I'm thankful today that it's not based upon my accomplishments. It's all based on your saving grace. Lord, today I know there's someone here today that you have drawn to this place. Lord, they've been putting all of their faith in someone else, person, a personality. They've been putting their faith in the fact that their name is on a roll. They've been putting their, their faith on the fact that they've done some good things here and there. Lord, perhaps today they were reminded of a failure. Or even in the midst of a failure. Today, Lord, you are drawing their heart to Christ. 
Lord, let them not trust people, institution, and the things of this world. Let them look to your grace, Christ. Find salvation today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.